all of us have habits, right? Uh, some are good habits. Um, some are not so good habits, right? Sometimes we have habits that we don't even know that we are doing. It's just out of habit, right? I was thinking back to the very, very first time that I ever got to share a, a Sunday morning message with a, with a church. Uh, I was in the midst of seminary, and uh, this little bitty Baptist church in St. Joseph, Michigan, they asked uh, if I would come and share the message and cover for their pastor. And I was so anxious. I was so nervous. Lisa and I, we were married. Uh, we went together. She sat right in the front row, and I got up to share. And I, I shared what I had to say. And I finished up, and I went right down, and I sat right next to Lisa. And she is my biggest cheerleader. She's also my most honest critic. And uh, I need that. We need that. We need people that are willing to speak the truth. I said, I looked, looked over at her. I said, so how did I do? And she goes, <clears throat> I said, how did, how did you think it went? She goes, <clears throat> I'm like, no, like, how did I do? She goes, <clears throat> I'm like, what? She's like, that's what you did, like, the whole time that you were up there. <laughs> I was so conscientious. I had taken, you know, speech class, and I had taken a preaching class, and I was so conscientious of not saying, um, you know, because that's, that's most people's habit, like when you don't know what to say next, when you're thinking about what you're going to say next, uh, when you're nervous, you just say, um. So I didn't say, um, one time during that sermon. I just replaced it by clearing my throat like a gazillion times. <laughs> now, fortunately, I've broken that habit. <clears throat> and um, <laughs> now that's just my allergies, okay? Allergies are really bad today. See, now you guys are going to be like tally marking it out there. Oh, did he, does he know? Or you're going to discover something else about me uh, that I do just out of habit. Habits, right? Uh, they're just a part of who we are. But the habits that we're talking about in this series are meant to be kind of the the root system of our faith and of our life that help us become the kind of people that God wants us to be, that help us become the kind of people that really we want to be. And the habit that we're going to talk about this weekend is maybe a little lesser known or maybe less discussed, perhaps. It's the habit of confession. So I want to First, help us define confession. And uh, I went to, straight to dictionary.com. And what do they have to say about this word, confess? It means uh, to acknowledge or to avow a fault, a crime, a misdeed, a weakness. By way of revelation, they say. Interesting that they would use that word. But the, the whole idea is that uh, when we confess something, we're admitting something that perhaps was secret. It has, it's something that has to be revealed. It's something perhaps that only we knew about ourselves, right? Uh, you can expand the definition uh, to own or to admit something as true or to declare or acknowledge one's sins, especially to God or to a priest, in order to obtain absolution. Depending on your religious background and upbringing, your spiritual journey, we have all kinds of different ideas and images about what confession really is and what it's really all about. But at its core, in fact, the Bible word that is most often translated, the word confess, simply means to say the same thing. To say the same thing 
as another. So when, we, when, when I confess to God, I'm simply saying what God has already said. I'm admitting to be true what God already knows is true about me. Right? It's saying the same thing as another. It's owning it. It's admitting it. And so that's what confession really is. And this weekend we want to talk about uh, what it is. Uh, we want to talk about two different kinds of confession, both confession to God and confession to one another. But before we even go any further, we've got to understand the why. Like, why do we need to confess? Is this something that we have to do? Is it, is it something that only certain churches do or organizations do? Is it something that only some Christians do? See, I think confession is so important. It has to do with all of our relationships. Uh, it's a relational thing at its core. And John, the apostle, wrote about some words that Jesus had shared with his disciples, and now he's relaying them to a group of, of people that are listening and relaying them ultimately to us through God's word to us. This is what John writes. He says, this is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. This points to the why we need confession. He says, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, he says. Verse 7, but he says, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship, we have close relationship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Verse 8, but if we claim that we have no sin, then we're only fooling ourselves, and we're not living in the truth. Why is confession important? Why is it, it needed? Why, dare I say, why is it essential? Because we're all sinful people. We all make mistakes. We all blow it. We all rebel. And, and if, if we can't own up to that, John, quoting really what Jesus had to say, uh, is that we're living a lie. And we're, we're only trying to fool ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live as a fool. And so John is trying to help us understand how important confession is, why we need it. You know another reason uh, why we ought to confess? Because of the verse that follows this very passage. After John talks about, you know, hiding and living in spiritual darkness and not practicing the truth and, and only fooling ourselves, he's, he's talking about coming clean before God. And in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the very next verse, this is what it says. If we confess our sins... God is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why should we confess? Because God promises that if and when we do, he will forgive. There is nothing that you or I can bring before God that, it, that he's going to say, nope, nope, that was just over the line, Todd. Nope, that, one, that one's on you. And he knows about it already. He just wants us to come clean with it. His, our job is confessing, and his job is forgiving. 
That's the why of confession. A Bible study by Gateway Community Church that I was reading a week or so ago says, the most dangerous problems in life are the hidden and unknown problems. These are the problems that lurk below the surface, undetected, wreaking havoc, or preparing to make themselves known. They compare unconfessed sin in this study to cancer. And there's all kinds of cancer. But you know what the very worst kind is? It's the kind that's unknown, undetected. It's the kind that's hidden that we, that we can't address, that we can't help with because it, it's, it's undisclosed. It's undiscovered. And that's what happens with unconfessed sin. It is like a cancer in our lives until it's brought into the light. When it comes to our sins, our shortcomings, or our secrets, we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to confess it or we are going to conceal it or hide it. And unfortunately, in the church, and even amongst us here as, as fellow Christians, perhaps, all too often we become professional concealers, hiding, keeping the secrets of our souls. Because, because we're either too prideful to admit you know, some of our faults or, or we're too fearful that if others knew of those faults, we wouldn't be accepted. And so we do one of these two things. We confess or we conceal. There's a, there's a powerful, uh, it's really like a journal entry into the life of David. David had, I mean, he had blown it big time. He had committed adultery with this woman named Bathsheba. Then he had had the, her husband basically killed and tried to cover all of that up. And David in Psalm 32 writes about what was going on in his heart and in his mind, both when he confessed, but he also gives us a window into what happened when he just tried to conceal. So I want us to look at it because I think there's some things that, that we can grab a hold of here. Look at Psalm 32, verse 1, he says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven whose sin, he says, is put out of sight. Yes, again, he says, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of all guilt, who, who can live their lives in complete honesty. I just think about this question. What if, what if we could live with absolutely no secrets? And know that we are still deeply loved by the creator of the universe. And deeply loved even by one another. See, what happens is we, we spend a, a lot of time and a lot of energy hiding, concealing. Trying to keep others from knowing the real us sometimes. And, and David in this in this psalm, he's trying to point us towards the power of confession, the joy that can re-enter our lives when we're finally free, when we're not living under guilt any longer. But in this same passage, there's just this roller coaster going on. And next, he points to what happened in his life when he tried to conceal it, when he tried to keep it covered up. Look at what he says. He says, when I refuse 
to confess my sin. He says, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. He says, day and night, your hand, God's hand of discipline was heavy upon him. He says, my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Essentially what David was saying, when I kept silent, when I concealed it, it was eating me alive. You see the effects of concealment. I mean, physical effects and emotional effects and spiritual effects. Until David finally came clean. In verse 5, he says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you. I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion. I mean, I, he just names it. He says, I rebelled. This wasn't a whoops. This wasn't a mistake. This was, this was me knowing better. And I did what I wanted to do anyway. I will confess, he says, my rebellion to the Lord. And then look, and you, God, forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Because our job is confessing. God's job is forgiving. And there's nothing that we can confess that God will not forgive. I love what he finishes Psalm 32 with, a plea really, to all those that would sing or read this psalm in the tabernacle of the day, to all those that would read it like we are today, sitting in churches all over the world. It's an invitation. It's a plea. He says, therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. David is trying to rescue us, to save us from what concealment will do. Because concealment will ultimately kill us. And David doesn't want us to live that kind of life. God's own truth is trying to guide us towards not just a one time, but a habit of confession. Because it changes all of our relationships. So let me ask you a next step question. What, what, are, what, what results of unconfessed sin have I seen or maybe am I currently seeing in my own life? Perhaps some of what David talked about in Psalm 32, a restlessness, an anxiety, a tiredness, a, a weight of guilt. And those things can be caused by many things. But what if, what if we're feeling some of that because there's something that has been left unattended to in our souls? God is just waiting for us to confess so that he can lead us to freedom and to healing. Well, we want to talk about two sides of confession. And first and the foremost is confession with God. I would say, in fact, our relationship with God, it begins with confession. You we can't begin a relationship with God without first confessing. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, very popular, well-known verses, says, if you openly declare, or some Bible versions say acknowledge, or the old King James version says, if you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from our own sin. Saved from 
and rescued from the ultimate consequences, the eternal consequences of our wrong decisions, attitudes, and actions. And he says the only way to get beyond that, to get around that, to get past that is through confession. And then he goes on in verse 10, for it is with believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring, acknowledging, confessing your faith that you are saved. This is where the rescue happens. This is where a relationship with God begins, but it's meant to become a habit that is regularly done so that we might maintain that relationship, that we'll continue a close fellowship and friendship with God because that's what he longs for in your life and my life. And when it comes to confession with God, a couple things that we really have to understand as well. Number one is that we can go directly to God in confession because of Jesus. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, so then, since we have a great high priest. Yes, we actually, we, we do need a priest to get to God. But this passage tells us who our high priest is. We, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, he's no earthly priest or pastor, Jesus, the Son of God, he's our high priest. He's our go-between. He's, he's our direct access to God. He says, so let us hold firmly to what we believe, This high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings as we do, and yet he did not sin, it says. Verse 16, so, he says, let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. A few weeks ago, um, I was meeting up with a young guy, he, before he even visited the chapel, he just wanted to ask some questions. He had come from a different religious upbringing and background, and he really wanted to understand, so what does the chapel really believe? And we sat there in my office for quite some time, and just he pelted me with questions, and we just had a great conversation. And then at the end of our conversation, he said, but I've got one more question. I just need to know, can I still confess my sins to you? Now, I've had people sit in my office, and they've They've shared things, but I don't know that I've ever had somebody ask, may I confess my sins to you? And part of that was his, his background, his upbringing. He really thought and felt like, man, in order to be forgiven, I have to say this to a, a priest, a pastor. And it was such a powerful moment for me to take him to these verses and to be able to share, listen, You certainly can share anything you want with me, but I want you to know that you don't need me. As long as you've got Jesus, he's your high priest. You don't have to wait to show up to the church at any moment when there's something on your heart that you feel guilt or remorse over. You can go directly to God right in that moment because of what Jesus has done for you. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there's one mediator... There's one God and there's one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus gives us full access to God the Father. And we can go directly to him and we can find help in our time of greatest need. 
confession with God is, is all because of what Jesus has done. I love, I love what uh, Richard Foster says in his book, A Celebration of Discipline. He says, without the cross, the discipline of confession would only be psychologically therapeutic. In other words, it would be a feel-good for the moment. He says, but it is so much more. Confession is so much more. Why? Because he says, it involves an objective change in our relationship with God and a subjective change within us. What's he saying? That the, the, the very first time that we call out to God and confess our own mistakes and mess-ups and weakness and rebellion, and we call on him, call on Jesus for forgiveness, there is an objective change, a status change. We, we move from becoming children of the darkness and we're moved to become children of the light. That we move from being unforgiven and weighed down by guilt to being forgiven and set free because of what Jesus has done. And then that begins a change in our own hearts. That once God removes our guilt and frees us from our sin, does it mean we're perfect? No, we still struggle every day. But we, but we can begin living and latching on to the freedom that is found in a daily relationship with Jesus. Guys, it changes everything. This is why confession, it's not just something that we ought to do. It's a habit that should become a part of our everyday life. It, it'll help us keep short accounts with God and short accounts with others. It changes our relationships. I love what St. Alphonsus Liguori says, because some of us will say, well, if this confession thing is so important, how do I know if I've said it right, done it right, prayed it right? And there's no, there's no one prayer. But St. Alphonsus Liguori says, for a good confession, three things, three elements are really necessary. First, an examination of our conscience. Secondly, real sorrow. And thirdly, a determination to avoid sin, to, to turn and go the other direction. What's he saying? He's saying real confession involves an examination of our conscience. It's what I think Charles uh, uttered some of David's other words out of another psalm when David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a dangerous prayer. Search me, oh God. Yeah, there, there's things I know I've done wrong, things that, attitudes that I've carried, but to go before God on a regular basis and, and to just say, God, is there anything in between you and I or me and another person? Is there any, is there any attitude, is there any action that's, that has hurt your heart, God, or that could cause damage to another human being? Search me. I'm an open book before you. And then as God points anything out, uh, then, then we have genuine sorrow over it, that our heart breaks because we know that we broke God's heart. That our heart breaks because we know that when Jesus went onto that old rugged cross and had his feet and hands nailed into the wood, that it was because of that. It was because of me. It was because of my thoughts, my attitudes, my actions. And there's sorrow. And then that there's a determination to say, I, 
I don't want to do that. I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be that. I don't want to have those thoughts. Jesus, change me. Help me to walk in your direction now. This is what confession is all about. So maybe a, a next step question for us when it comes to uh, confessing to God is this. Even as we've gathered here today, to what extent am I worshiping God externally but internally rebelling against him? See, I, I mean, I know not because I, I know your stuff. I only know because I know my stuff. And I know it's very possible to stand up here and preach, or it's, it's very possible to, to come in here and worship and sing and, and raise our hands. And yet inwardly, there's something going on where we know we're in the wrong. Where, we're no, where we know we're turning our back on God. Where, where we confess Jesus, but we conceal our secrets. And, and, and if and when that's me or that's you, Jesus is not pleased with me up here. Jesus is not pleased with this. The prayer that he longs to hear first and foremost is Jesus, you're right, I'm wrong, forgive me. Help me surrender all. That leads us to the other side of confession. And I know I just told you, you know, you don't need a pastor, you don't need a priest, you know, you can go directly to God because of Jesus, and that is all 100% true. But when we read the whole of the of the scriptures, and especially when we come to the New Testament, we see the early church functioning, and it's all about community life and relationships, and we, we call them the one another's or the each other's of scripture, and we see all these commands that are given to the, to the early church and the followers of Jesus, like pray for each other and encourage each other and uh, challenge each other and sing songs with each other, but then we come to this one that we rarely talk about. <laughs> And James utters it in James 5.16. He adds another other. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. You see, I think it's very possible that uh, there are things in our lives that perhaps we know, we know that Jesus loves us. We know that Jesus forgives us. We've gone to God and we've confessed that to him. And yet, for some reason, we still live with a guilt. We, we still live with some regrets. And I wonder if sometimes the reason that is, it's not because God hasn't forgiven us, but it's because we haven't done what James has called us to do. See, I think there's something that happens when we say it out loud to another person. Man, I can, you know, just get quiet with God. You know, God, I'm sorry for this. You don't know. Just between me and God. And that's the most important one. But man, there's something that happens when instead of just maybe saying, God, I, I'm sorry, I, I lost my temper with our son Carter. There's something that happens when I go to like a brother in Christ like Pastor Charles, somebody that I trust, and say it out loud. Charles, I need to tell you something. 
I really lost my temper with Carter this week. And I need you to hold me accountable. And I need you to pray for me. And then I can look into the eyes of another brother and I can hear those words, Jesus paid it all. It's covered, Todd. It's why Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, a man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he's no longer alone with himself. He, he experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. He goes on, as long as I am by myself in the confession of my sins, everything remains in the dark. But in the presence of a brother, the sin has to be brought to the light. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you from firsthand experience that there's something that happens when we get over our pride and we get released from our fears of what other people might think and we openly confess to one another. I think there's a healing that can come in our lives and a freedom that can only come in our life. Not just when we say it to God, but when we say it to another person. This is what God's calling followers of Jesus to. It's the kind of church that we want to be. One of our core values here at the chapel is authenticity. That we're real people that can be real but that we're also real people in process. In process, helping each other find freedom in Christ. That's why community life is so important. Our newest staff member here at the chapel, his name's Ryan Orshowski, and Ryan's going to be helping us on a part-time basis, uh, just really helping coordinate some of our connection groups and our spiritual growth classes. And Ryan, I've known Ryan for many, many years. But it's been remarkable to get to talk to him and see some of the change that's been brought about in his life. And it's change that's been brought about because of vulnerability and confession. Look at what he says. He says, the spiritual growth in my life has been a direct result of allowing myself to be fully known. He says, for years, my life was marked by image management, concealment, and isolation. He says, but I was transformed through intimate, vulnerable relationships within the body of of Christ. We need each other. And we need, we need to have people in our life that are so trusted that we can reveal our darkest secrets too. Because that's when we actually can step into the light. And so maybe a question for all of us this morning is, what's that one thing? Maybe it's something that you've already thought of as I've been talking today, what's that one thing that you know you need to confess to at least one person? Who's that person? And when are we going to have that conversation? I'm telling you, it could, be, it could be the breakthrough for you. One of my favorite pastors and authors is John Ortberg, and this is what he writes about the power of confession. He says, one of the most important moments in my spiritual life was when I sat down with a longtime friend and said, I don't want to have any secrets anymore. He writes, I told him everything that I was most ashamed of. I told him about my jealousies, my cowardice, how I hurt my wife with my anger. 
I told him about my history with money and my history with sex. I told him about my deceit and regrets that keep me up all night. He said, I felt vulnerable because I was afraid that I was going to lose my friendship with him. But much to my surprise, as I shared my secret sins, he did not even look away. And he says, and I will never forget his next words to me. His friend looked him in the eyes and said, John, I have never loved you more than I love you right now. And you guys, what if, what if these are God's words to you and I? And he is just waiting for us to admit anything that we're weighed down by that we feel regrets over that that it continues to chase us around in our minds thoughts memories mistakes things that we fear if anybody in here knew it and they'd never look at me the same again but what if those are the very things that god wants us to bring to the light to him first and even to another person to discover that it's in confession that we will find the greatest of loves. He finishes saying, the very truth about me that I thought would drive him away became a bond that drew us closer together forever. So this is how I want to just finish our time. We're just going to put some music on and I just want to pray for us. I want you to just close your eyes and I just want you to think about your life. It could be something from your childhood. It might be something from your teen years. It might be something from yesterday. And just ask yourself, is there anything in my life for which I continue to feel regret or guilt? Just take that to Jesus right now. Jesus, I thank you that you know. You know whatever it is that every single one of us just thought of. You know, you care. And Jesus, you have all the power to forgive. And may we hear your words in the depths of our soul and in the darkest places, saying, I love you like never before. Jesus, lead us to the freedom that is found through confession. It's in Christ's name that we pray together.